This is the Leadership and Insurance Podcast, brought to you by FinPro Search Partners. Insurance companies are businesses and they need to look for the long term and be sustainable. We went from zero to one and now it's going from one to a hundred. Insurance as, as a concept, as a kind of service, is brilliant. The execution is what we're looking at now. I think the companies that are going to succeed are the ones that are going to understand and master the art of intent. When we talk about innovation, we lean too heavily to think about technology and we don't think about creating a culture of innovation. I think innovation is essentially continuous improvement of existing processes and platforms and product, right? It's got to be easy. It's got to be seamless. Hello, good morning, and welcome to the Leadership and Insurance Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Bond, and I'm incredibly lucky today to be joined by Sam, who is CEO of Vouch. Um, Sam, good words. Good evening where I am. I, I, where are you joining us from? I'm not, I'm, I actually didn't check on time zones. So. Uh, well, Alex, thanks for having me on. I am sitting in our office in San Francisco, so still morning my time. Still morning. I, th- I thought so. That's why I was just checking. So... Um, but listen, thank you so much for joining us. I was just, I was just having my fanboy moment saying you've been on my hit list for a while. I've been watching the Vouch journey, and we've already kind of shared some sort of opinions on on, on insurance, which I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into. But before we dive into that, as is customer on the podcast, it'd be really great if you could introduce yourself and obviously the Vouch business, just to give us some context. Absolutely. So um, I'm the co-founder and CEO of Vouch. Um, my background is I've spent about uh, 20 years as an entrepreneur and investor, um, all focused at the intersection of technology, uh, financial services, and insurance. Uh, before founding Vouch, I spent about seven and a half years uh, building and leading the U.S. business for Funding Circle, which is a global marketplace for uh, for small business loans. So I had a lot of experience building a high growth uh, fintech, also a lot of um, experience around serving the needs of other uh, small and mid-sized companies. Um, one of my experiences uh, from the funding circle journey was, frankly, uh, a lot of pain around um, insurance and risk management. And so when I was thinking about what I wanted to do next, I kind of drew on that as well as some earlier experiences where I actually worked in the insurance and insurance services sectors. Um, and um, in close partnership with my co-founder, Travis, and our early backers at, at uh, Rivet, we got really excited about um, kind of two theses. Uh, the first was to take a really customer-centric approach to building a multi-line commercial insurance provider. And the second part of the, the thesis or the vision was we wanted to start by serving the specific needs of high-growth, um, innovative companies. Um, you know, tech startups, ones in adjacent categories like health and life sciences, consumer products, we saw were very poorly served uh, by the incumbents, either on the distribution side, um, but also, frankly, on the, the carrier side. And so our belief was that by, again, pulling things together, you know, serving those clients on a direct basis, we could do something really innovative in terms of coverage and client experience, um, but also uh, deliver uh, differentiated underwriting results. And so um, that's that was kind of the initial uh, uh, belief behind uh, behind starting Dutch. Amazing, amazing. And and it's did you really see that journey from kind of funding circle seeing kind of earlier stage businesses and specific problems? I know I know it's not necessarily startups and scale ups in the kind of like tech world. Um, actually, funding circle in the UK made my made my friend the wealthiest person I know because he. Had a small loan company and uh, <laughs> ran a lot of leads for them, and I'd forgotten about that crossover. But why do you think insurance has been so slow to probably really like embrace technology and use it in the way that you have to create these like really curated experiences for these types of customer sets? It's, it's something that obviously we do do. I can't sit here and say we don't. But the the the, the example I was sharing that you know 
I'm a recruitment business owner, small business. I have very specific needs and don't feel like I'm getting those tailored products. That's obviously been the key to your success is building those kind of insurance experiences for a very specific set of clientele. Why do you think we've been so slow to do that or resistant to do that, perhaps? Well, so I'll start with uh, uh, disabusing a common notion, which is the people who run large insurance companies are not stupid. In fact, they are very, very smart. Um, I've spent a lot of time with the senior leaders of a lot of big carriers and, and distributors, and these are people who really know their stuff. However, they have at least three really challenging uh, problems that uh, really prevent them from driving the type of innovation that uh, I think we're driving at Vouch and which uh, a number of other uh, challengers are, are pursuing. The first problem is um, one that's endemic to, it, to any um, underwriting business, but particularly insurance, which is the proof cycles around launching a new insurance product are quite long. Going from the idea to actually building coverage to getting you know, filings approved to the extent you need to get your filings approved to actually seeing you know, uh, losses start to come in, you know, particularly from mid to, to longer tail business, you, this might take five to 10 years, soup to nuts. And that means that if you're a large incumbent and you're thinking about a new opportunity, not only does that need to be pretty substantial, but you need to be able to take a quite long-term view um, in terms of pursuing that need. And frankly, that just means that many opportunities fall below the line uh, for, for someone running a business. The second challenge is um, a classic innovator's dilemma challenge, which is a lot of carriers have um, a lot of dependency on their downstream distribution. And so if a category actually requires or would be benefited uh, by a direct provider, that's something that's really challenging to do. And I've talked to a lot of big carriers who say, oh, we'd love to build a direct business for you know, this you know, personal lines vertical or this commercial lines vertical, but our, our retailers, our wholesalers, they, they would be up in arms if we tried to do that. And so I think that's a real challenge for, for a lot of folks. And then the third challenge is frankly, um, you know, comes from how a lot of these businesses have been built, which is slowly over time via M&A. And if you look at the, the actual technology systems they have in place, we're talking about a lot of cases, technology that, that isn't 10 or 20 years old. We're talking about technology that might be 40 years old or 50 years old. Um, I had the opportunity a couple of years ago to speak with the CIOs of a lot of large uh, US carriers. And I was talking about how we think about our, you know, our technology platform, the services-oriented architecture that we've, we've developed. And at one point, one of the CIOs raised their hand and said, how many other carriers in this room still, still use Cobol as part of their, you know, their, their, their you know, te technology stack? And about half the arms in the, in the room went up. I think that just is a, it's a telltale for kind of the state of the art uh, with respect to technology for a lot of incumbent carriers and brokers. Not to say that they're all you know, in that, that instance, but a lot of them are dealing with a lot of legacy issues. And so what that means is driving innovation, particularly very customer-centric innovation um, in terms of coverage and client experience, it's really challenging for them to pull off. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you touched so many really insane points there, but it's 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 nice to hear it said as well, because I think we we, we can be guilty sometimes of kind of labeling as you say, the, the, the large insurers and, and saying, oh, they're not they're not smart, they're not, they're not so they have technology. It's like, no, they just have a very unique set of challenges. And particularly that MA cycle and the and the combination. I was I was talking to um to Seeker Uncorked and we were talking about a lot of the work they've been doing. It's like it's great bringing in new technology, but actually what people don't understand is that you're trying to kind of weave it across these completely non-complementary tech stacks and you know, you've got some on-prem stuff that still exists in a lot of these carriers. And and then, you you know, we're sort of beating incumbents around the head saying, why are they not using like artificial intelligence? It's like, 
they're still trying to get the systems all to you know work together at, at this point and 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 the idea that they don't know what those problems are is is naive to insulting depending on who, <laughs> who you are right um so i think i think that's i think that tech challenge is particularly interesting um and i apologize because i know i've gone completely off the set of questions we already agreed but i'm just i'm just enjoying this conversation so i hope you don't mind please stop me no. and, um, uh, <laughs> but um with that in mind as you mature as a business and and i want to talk about um voucher horizon and, and and the evolution of the, the product suite as it is how do you avoid that becoming in that same situation how do you avoid tech debt as you mature as a as a sort of an insure tech insurance business well, so I'll start by saying anytime you build proprietary technology, you always have to accept some degree of tech debt. And then it just comes down to where do you accept it and kind of what ratio of the the, the technology that you build do you have to go back and, and kind of refactor or replace at any point in time. My general view is if you've got 20 or 30% of your engineering team focused on kind of reworking older systems and kind of redeveloping things, that kind of ratio works. If it's much higher, um, it probably means that you've built things uh, the wrong way out, out of the gate. And that's, that's, that becomes a more serious drag um, on the company. In our instance, we've really tried to take a very technology-forward approach to how we build Vouch. We've also tried to take a very pragmatic view as to where do we want to build our own proprietary tech versus where do we want to leverage third-party systems that are best in breed. And so if you look at the systems we have in place, again, it, it's set up in a way where um, it's very much services-driven. In certain instances, we've, we've built things in a homegrown way because we see an opportunity to do things in a really differentiated manner that really drive a lot of value in, in the business. And in other instances, we, we've integrated third-party tools and systems, which we think are, are really strong and robust and which allow us to deliver the business that, uh, that, that we're building. And so I think it's really a combination of being technology forward with a keen eye on, on you know, making the right architectural decisions, but also just being pragmatic around what do you build versus what do you buy and rent. Yeah. I think that's interesting in, in that, that that says things about the the team you put together when you when you're building this business versus the team that you might have from an incumbent insurer and and because you're being much more deliberate about saying like tech is going to be an important part of how we deliver to our customers so therefore you have to have this kind of tech mindset of saying any any actual pure SaaS tech business would have for example an r d team right they, they would just be doing r d a lot of the time Whereas you're saying we're building an insurance business, but we still need that kind of R&D mindset within our tech team, which I think is probably unusual um, as opposed to an incumbent and sort of understandable as well. Um, how much do you think that kind of culture, I, I, I'm, I'm interested about the cultural integration between people that maybe come from the traditional world, because you've got, you know, you've got traditional insurance staff and it's an insurance oh, yeah. business at the end of the day. And then you've got this kind of like tech world that while you're serving, but also you're kind of building a, a tech first insurance business. How do they, how do those worlds collide? How much does that kind of either cause a challenge or yeah, how do you navigate that? That's probably what I'm trying to ask. Uh, well, Alex, I think that's a really insightful question. Um, and what I would say is there is absolutely, that is both uh, the seat of the opportunity and also a real cultural tension and challenge. And to just put it in, in brass tacks, if you talk to people who are coming out of a more traditional SaaS or consumer internet background, you know technologists and product people uh, rule the roost. Similarly, if you talk about people who are coming out of a more traditional insurance background, underwriting rules the roost. And so if you have to actually bring the best of both to bear in building a company, 
you have to have a really good integrative conversation with folks from both backgrounds explaining why the other side or, or kind of that other piece is so important. And I, I won't say that we've done a perfect job of it, but I think we've gotten a lot better at it in our five and a half years in existence. And I do think just starting by acknowledging it and helping people understand why both are so important to ultimately get the business where it needs to be is, is a really important moment in, in building a company uh, like, like Vouch. It's something that I and the rest of our leadership group uh, spent a lot of time thinking about. And I, I'm very lucky in that I've got really strong senior executives with really deep backgrounds in, in, in both of these areas. And frankly, also on the, on the go-to-market front who are pulling together to uh, ultimately deliver the business. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's um, it, that leadership group's really interesting. I mean, we look at this a lot, you know, whether it be diversity, inclusion and representation and seeing the right people, seeing the people that draw people to business. But I think when we're trying to build something different is is about kind of having that proactive approach to finding the right teams and um, which I'm glad of, because if, if it wasn't, I wouldn't have a business, but you know, it's usually Alex, can you find me some forward thinking insurance people to come and sit within my business? It's like, you know, but, but I know what they mean is that, that, that there's a cultural shift that you need to have and you need to blend those two worlds and, it, and it's challenging, um, but obviously it can be done and, and, it, and it has been done. Um, I wanted to talk to you about, we've talked about tech and we've talked a lot of it about the customer. What else do you leverage tech internally to the insurance process and and you know where have you had some specific wins that maybe you didn't see at the start of the kind of five-year journey um that perhaps have surprised you so we think a lot about how we can use technology not just to deliver really delightful client experiences but also how we can deliver really robust underwriting outcomes durable underwriting outcomes and also make our team uh, more efficient so start by saying Figuring out which uh, accounts or applicants you can straight through process and straight through underwrite versus ones that require underwriting discretion, that is a huge leverage point in, in a business like that. And particularly in the context of writing commercial lines, you know, and particularly the, the sorts of casualty and kind of financial lines products that we specialize in, um, it's really important to get that balance right. You could grow very quickly and very efficiently in the short term just by waving people in the door. But then from a loss rate perspective, you'd probably have really serious issues, and your book would, would start to go sideways. We've been very careful and deliberate in building over the last couple of years a very robust um, um, you know, book of business, and our underwriting results um, come through quite strongly. We had a lot of success in our, our last uh, reinsurance renewal, meaningfully expanded our panel, and I think it's frankly in light of the fact that, um, again, from an underwriting and pricing perspective, we've done the things necessary to make sure we're being good stewards of our, as well as our partners' uh, capital. In terms of specific systems, Part of it, again, is figuring out which, which accounts you can straight to process versus route to underwriting, but then also making sure that the way our underwriters are enabled to actually look at accounts, it's as data-enriched as possible so they can spend time on the right things as they work things through the underwriting process. Lastly, um, account servicing is a major leverage point. If you think about a traditional um, either broker or carrier's um, expense load, um, account servicing can be a particularly large uh, line item particularly for middle market accounts that actually do have a good bit of complexity to them. And that's all the more so in the context of accounts that are changing a lot um, by our very nature. You know, we're serving high growth businesses. And so they have to update records pretty frequently. They oftentimes need to change limits. They need to add endorsements. They need to add, you know, different lines of coverage. And so our ability to do that in a pretty seamless, you know, uh, way, either on a self-service basis or with limited human intervention, 
that's a that's a big driver of our ability to, to drive good insurance economics. Mm. I think this, yeah, that that's worth taking back because I think you um you touched on it there. And, and this is my fault because I'm being a bad interviewer and we put some interview questions out that which I've, I've not stuck to. Um, but but I thought uh, I think I think which is an interesting thing to focus on is, is the specific products that you offer because I think there is a point of difference and you really sort of sort of nailed on it there is the speed at which a lot of your clients are growing or trying to grow is the the need to continuously update your insurance records. So um, just 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 an overview quickly on particular lines of coverage that you focus on and then I wanted to get a little bit deeper onto because obviously an incumbent insurer would go, yeah, but we cover those. And we, we're, we're just as confident of covering those. But kind of getting into the nuances of what makes it specifically different, better coverage from a product perspective. Because creating interesting products in insurance is a is a hard sell. Yeah, <laughs> certainly when I'm talking to family at Christmas, when I'm trying to tell them it's interesting that this is a new product. Um, so yeah, it's a lines of business coverage and, and kind of the intricacies of what makes them different and relevant for these types of customers. Definitely. So taking a step back, um, today, Vouch is structured primarily as an MGA. Um, we do own our own insurance company, which is an Illinois domiciled stock insurance business. We use that as a reinsurance vehicle behind our panel. And then we have um, seven different reinsurers who sit next to us and participate in the risk. In that program, um, we've built um, a variety of different uh, proprietary insurance coverages that you can only get from Vouch. And in addition to that, we also have our own um, brokerage unit that can place um, excess towers, can place lines of business that we don't write, workers' comp, for example, and it can also help us find coverage for risks that are outside of appetite for us, for whatever reason. As you might expect, many of the clients we're serving have um, what, I, what I describe as hybrid exposure bases, where some part of the company looks like a technology company, but they might have a specialty E&O need, or they might have a very substantial contract-driven uh, cyber need or E&O need. Those are things where, again, getting our MGA to work in concert with, with our brokerage uh, side is a really important piece of delivering what we deliver. For MGA, um, most of our premium is in four lines. Those lines are DNO, ENO, Cyber, and EPLI. So all you know what I characterize as uh, management liability and CEM. Those um, coverages are ones where not only have we uh, tailored our form and the coverage features and the way we underwrite and price to these these clients, but in some instances we've actually gone out and built totally new uh, products and forms specific to some of the verticals we serve. Um, a good example of that is in the Web3 category, um, which has obviously gone out of favor you know, post-FDX, but frankly, there's still quite a bit of interesting activity uh, kind of in that space where we're a, a pretty meaningful provider of insurance to these sorts of, uh, of companies. And to do that, we actually built again our own uh, you know, proprietary product, um, really speaks to some of the, the unique risks that business like that um, face. Uh, another example, uh, we uh, just a couple of weeks ago announced um, some endorsements uh, to that are that are specific to the uh, to companies building in the LLM and AI space. Um, and again, this is one where we're providing affirmative coverage uh, with specific supplements related to some of the risks that, that companies like that uh, uh, face down. And so again, overall, trying to take a very customer and category centric um, approach to building uh, coverage. And then to make sure again we can do that in the construct of the, the the MGA program we've set up. Nice, nice, yeah, great. Some really complementary, good moving parts there. Um, I'm interested about the brokerage piece. Was was that always part of the agenda, or, or was that an evolution of a, a need um, as you started the business out? Um, 
So we we started brokering business pretty early on. Um, it was a pretty limited percent of our business for the first year or so. And then uh, beginning about two and a half years ago, it started into being uh, a more meaningful part. To, to be clear, though, it is still a minority of the premium that we write. And we have no intent to go out and build uh, you know, full-fledged middle market uh, brokerage with you know full risk management capabilities. There are lots of folks out there who are great at that. And in fact, those are the types of brokers we're actually partnering with to serve down market accounts. Um, we have a, a few examples of, of partnerships like that already. Yeah, is it, did, I suppose that's that's that was always going to be the case of when you got you acquire these customers, you acquire them directly as they grow and evolve and they get more potentially more complex. There was always going to be a need, isn't there, for the for the broking piece as these businesses become more complex. Um, how do you stay ahead of the curve on the evolution of like your program products or or other products for? these because it's a rapidly changing landscape just kind of kind of keep pace with with startups and you know as we know i mean <laughs> this is our world and, and and it's challenging enough just to kind of work with them on this basis but yeah how do you stay ahead on those products and and, and keep one eye on the future really well taking a step back if you look at the innovation space in the us there are close to a hundred thousand um clients or accounts out there that we think of as being an appetite for, for, for Vouch. We're still uh, a reasonably small share of that, but we're growing very quickly. When we grew our premium last year, close to 60%. You know, I think you can do something similar again uh, this year, have many thousands of, of, of clients today. In terms of our ability to serve a wider share of those businesses, I mean, it really comes down to, to three things. The first is being very close to the ground in terms of where there's opportunity and specific risk management and insurance needs. And again, we've been responsive to themes like Web3, like AI, as uh, emerging investment verticals. And then making sure from a service offering perspective and also an insurance coverage perspective, we are you know, staying ahead of the eight ball. The second piece is honestly just being responsive to clients as they come to us. One of the reasons why we launched our Horizon service offering, uh, which we announced last summer, was that a subset of clients that we'd served when they were very young companies started to become more mature. Again, to be clear, we're still very much focused on, you know, small to kind of lower middle market type accounts, uh, pre-public companies. We, all, we only are focused on private businesses. But within that, there's a pretty wide spectrum in terms of what insurance needs are and, frankly, what service needs are. And so we've now segmented out our business where we have an early stage vertical, um, where we have a whole team uh, specialized to serving the needs of very young companies. But then we also have our Horizon uh, vertical which is more focused on the lower middle market for more kind of growth stage companies, companies that have raised 25 million plus and do have some more complexity to uh, to, to, to what, what what needs to be delivered. Amazing. And it must be within that. It might not be within that set, but I think that's just, it must be, it's, it's a nice thing to be part of that, that journey that you might serve some customers five years ago that were buying off the shelf like program products and, 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 and now they've grown with you as a business. So that must be quite exciting. So, I just I just wondered if if you can share any success stories where where the vouch product has has, has made a difference and and has made an impact on 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 some of your customers that you might have. Uh, sure, sure. Um, obviously, I have to be careful about uh, not disclosing yes. anything confidential around yeah. clients. But um, I'll, I can give you I can give you a couple of examples. So um, there are a few businesses we've served where. Um, they started with very basic insurance coverage needs when they were still figuring out their business model, but then pretty quickly realized they actually were building 
marketplaces or networks that had very specific program needs above and beyond um, their kind of core, you know, uh, uh, initial commercial insurance needs. In, in instances like that, we, we have a few examples. We started with the basics. You know, we, we started with a startup BOP, maybe Dino, uh, maybe Cyber. Um, but then actually a couple of years in, as these businesses started to generate meaningful, you know, um, economic activity, we actually would go out and broker and put in place um, custom programs, which then allow our clients to pass through insurance coverage to their end uh, customers. That's, I think, a really unique uh, ability to, to piece those two things together. And I think speaks to, again, our ability to be responsive to, you know, complex, innovative accounts um, that have, again, uh, pretty unique uh, uh, coverage needs. Beyond that, I think there are many examples of companies that have come in and just started with, um, you know, very simple coverage, but then pretty quickly had to build towers. And so there are multiple examples where we now have placed, you know, 20, 30, $50 million uh, uh, towers around cyber um, and e where we're taking the primary, but then we're working with other markets to make sure, again, um, you know, the, the overall coverage that a client has in place um, is sufficient to meet uh, their needs. And particularly for companies that are in the enterprise space, so companies that are providing enterprise software technology to other large businesses, we're, we're finding that uh, contractual needs, if anything, continue to go up. Um, and I think we're, we're pretty well situated to, uh, to service some of those, uh, some of those uh, opportunities. Amazing. Um, yeah, because it's always nice to sort of talk about the evolution of these businesses, and particularly a business that's been around for, you know, five years. I don't think it quite makes you an insurance vet, insure tech veteran, but you've got to get, you've got to be getting there. You've got to be getting there. Um, uh, but, um, you know, actually seeing the impact that, that it's made and, and you know, that I, that I, what I've always loved about the VAPS business outside looking in is, as we touched on at the start, I think it, it, it's clearly a defined need. It's clearly a business that kind of listens to its client base and works with them on different solutions. And and you can see that by the evolution of the product suite. And it was interesting to see the Voucher Horizon launch. Um, um, and, and I can say this and say, we've never met each other before. So I'm not just being sycophantic because I've been paid to. I thought we've, we've, we've never, we don't know each other if anyone's listening. Um, they're not a client. Um, it, it's just, it's just been interesting for me as, a, as, a, as to see that evolution and, and a, you know, knew a couple of people in the broking team from just networking, and and I found that really interesting that you can go in and you can kind of get this full service that you, that you expect. And 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 going back to the start, I think I think that's where sometimes in insurance we've we've and I don't think we're letting them down on purpose, but just as we said, not set up in the way that you can respond as quickly as you can to what your customers need. So I think that's really interesting. Um, I want to talk about looking ahead. You're obviously a business continuously looking ahead, but you know, is there any sort of innovations or developments we can expect from Vouch? I mean, obviously you've launched enough, you've, you know, so Vouch Horizon just come out, but is there anything we can look forward to in in, in the next uh, 12 months, 24 months that, that's going to come from you guys? Well, well, yeah, absolutely. And we're continuing to drive innovation and growth um, in in the business. Um, we're, we're very fortunate in that we're we're very well funded and we have a great team. I'm really proud of the team we have in place. And frankly, we see a huge opportunity um, ahead. Um, let me start by talking about a few things that we've recently announced and which, frankly, we're looking to expand upon. Uh, the first of which, as you mentioned, is Horizon, uh, which is our uh, more kind of lower middle market or kind of growth stage uh, company focused offering. We see a huge opportunity there. Um, second thing we've announced is um, what we're doing in the AI vertical. Um, that's uh, uh, you know some specific endorsements and coverages um, and affirmative coverage that uh, is unique to, uh, to to what we're doing. And we've already seen a huge amount of um, inbound on that. 
And candidly, given the investment activity we're seeing in the, the kind of applied AI space, uh, continue to see a, a huge amount of opportunity. And then thirdly, uh, we recently announced a partnership with um, IMA Financial Group, which is a, a middle market um, uh, regional broker. And we're really excited about that. And what we've done with them is basically set up a structure where we're providing an acquisition and servicing um, uh, offering for their down market accounts. And when an account gets uh, too big and too complex for us, we can send it back over, uh, you know, over the wall, so to speak, back to them. And we think that's a really powerful way of leveraging the best of a traditional brokerage model and also uh, some of the unique capabilities we've built um, for you know, the innovation space um, as we see it. Looking ahead, those are all three areas we expect to, to grow and be meaningful contributors uh, to, to the business. And there also are a few other things on the horizon we, we, we continue to be focused on. Obviously, broadening the distribution partnerships we have. Um, you know, we've worked with some of the best affinity partners in our category, partners like Brex, Ramp, Mercury, Carta, Manta, many others. Uh, we're doing more with partners like that and also adding to that partner list. And we're also thinking a lot about category expansion. We see um, you know, some close adjacencies to the type of accounts that uh, we serve today, where we think we can take some of Voucher's core capabilities and go and offer some additional cover uh, for uh, you know, other uh, small and, and middle market type, uh, type risks. So uh, some more of the same and, and some new stuff, I think, over the next couple of years. As a busy list, I normally get one or two things, Sam. So you've 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 got, you've got a decent appetite, but I'm struck there, and, and I'll make this my last question because I'm really conscious of time. Um, partnerships is something that you've mentioned several times in the podcast, but particularly in, in that that stuff of the future. And I know these partnerships are different, and this is a very generalized question, but I'm always interested in like you know, particularly your previous experience as well with like funded circle. It's it, it's a business of partnerships. This is a business where the partnerships that make it work. What makes those effective partnerships in in business? When you're talking about business to business relationships, particularly in some you know complex area like like this, like a regulated market, what for you kind of makes those partnerships work? As as, as and the most general version of that question that you you, you want to take. Well, this is going to sound trite, but I think the foundation for a good partnership is trust, mm. and trust comes from two things. It comes from integrity and it comes from competence. Um, so, you know, I'm a big believer that, uh, you know, your reputation matters a great deal. And so you need to be very careful about not abusing that and making sure that when you say something, you, you stick by your word and making sure, again, you do things in the right way. But competence is equally important. And so making sure not only you're, you know, acting with integrity, but you're actually delivering the goods um, is, is hard, right? You, you, it's very easy to get distracted. It's very easy to, you know, shift priorities. And so we really try to follow through on, on delivery um, in, in a way that makes our partners believe that, uh, you know, Vouch has staying power. That is very true on the distribution side with some of the affinity partners I mentioned before. It's even more true on the reinsurance side. And I think one of the, the if I were to fault the quote unquote insure tech space overall over the last you know decade or so, I think a mistake a lot of players made was burning some of those relationships. And once burned, those bridges are really hard to rebuild. And so we take our relationships with our, our reinsurance partners and our, our fronting partner very seriously. We try to be very transparent with them around how we're building the business. And we really try to deliver through on um, you know, what we've laid out in terms of expectations around growth as well as underwriting performance. And um, as of yet, we've had a lot of success there. Um, and so want to make sure we continue doing that. Amazing. I, 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 yeah, I mean, I, it doesn't, I've been in this market for nearly 20 years and used to work for a carrier. And and, and I think the fundamentals of that have never shifted in, in that even if it 
isn't a face-to-face business and it still is a lot of it but but uh, a knee to knee business i think they like to call it in london because you were sitting next to each other but um but if even if it isn't those principles remain the same and you know and, and that trust element is, is so important and so yeah i, I it's, it's great to it's great to hear about just doing um sam we've, we've hit that half an hour mark breezed through it and, and and i thought we would and, and i could sit and talk all day uh, to you about this business but um i just really want to thank you very much for your time and, and, and thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast alex thanks for having me on really enjoyed it thank you very much <laughs>